Tell me more about how his eyes look, Simon. It's almost <laughs> as if Simon enjoys being chastised by Baz or something. Like, is this how you describe your enemies? It's really not. Hot. Yeah, like, basically. <laughs> I feel like I just want to be, like, quote-unquote enemies for every time we bring up Baz. Want to get sexy? Yeah, let's get to the sexy stuff. Hello, and welcome to Escape from Reality, a podcast where two queer IRL witches read Wayward Son by Rainbow Rowell and talk about it. I am Lark Malachi Gray. And I am Jesse Blount, and today we are talking about chapters 10 through 13 of Gayward Son. Oh yes, Gayward Son. <laughs> Perfect. All right, so in chapter 10, we're in Penny's POV. And uh, the gang is off to Micah's house. And Penny is just reflecting on the last conversation that she had with Micah, which wasn't great because he said that it wasn't a good idea for her to visit him and they should talk about it. But Penny does not have time for this because crisis. (laughs) And Micah is pissed, but he doesn't use his words either to tell her why he's upset. And Penny doesn't tell him that they're coming, which is also shitty because they'll drop by people's houses unannounced. Chapter 11, Baz. is experienced some good old American suburban sprawl and all of his blandness because Micah lives in the subdivision. Uh, someone wants to meet Micah, but Penny wants to touch base with him first without her entourage. So alone, Baz suggests teaching Simon how to drive. It's a stick shift, so Baz goes through the clutch and the gears with Simon and is doing a pretty good job of it, to be honest. Simon isn't good at it, because no matter how many car, how many car games you play, Learn to drive a manual transmission is hard as fuck. And Baz didn't tell him what the break were, where the brake was, and now there's a car coming. <laughs> Chapter 12. Penny is here at Micah's house, which is a very HDTV open layout neutral colors thing. Uh, Micah is pissed that she's here in person, mainly because he's like, um, we barely talk, I'm not your boyfriend. And Penny is shocked that a relationship that she's apparently not put a lot of effort into the past two years, in fact, does not exist. Uh, Micah, though, should have told her flat out instead of quote-unquote dropping hints, but he makes a point that Penny may not have listened. Anyway, it's made very clear when Micah's current girlfriend shows up, so Penny leaves, heartbroken, and finds her friends gone. Chapter 13, Simon. Uh, is driving a car, and Bez is giving him encouragement. It's all very cute. Uh, they go back to pick up Penny, and she does not want to talk about what happened, so let's go to San Diego. But first, they end up at a Starbucks so someone can use a bathroom and drink a ginormous unicorn frop. And turns out, spoiler alert, driving from Chicago to San Diego is a hella long three-day drive. Whoops. <laughs> Penny and Baz are agog with how large, damn, how large this damn country is, which same. But Simon is game because he's seen the movies. He can't just have a three-hour life-changing road trip. So they take their sandwiches to go, and with Simon behind the wheel, hit the road. Heck yes. Uh, Yeah, so before we get into it, this is the one week mark before the Kickstarter for my tarot deck goes live on February 8th. It's one week from today. Pew, pew, pew. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, so if you just want to like mark your calendars, put a reminder in your phone, uh, the more engagement it gets in the first day, the more likely it is that Kickstarter will care about it, and then the more people will see it. Also, I'm just really excited about it. If you haven't been following along, you can go on my Instagram, where I've been posting card reveals basically every day for the past few weeks, so you can look at what the cards look like. Um, yeah, so February 8th, get, get real stoked, because I'm real stoked, and I think it's going to be fun. Hell yeah. All right. So standard spoiler warning, we're spoiling the rest of the series. And with that, we're going to enter. Easy come, easy go. Easy come, easy go. Where we talk about everything that doesn't go anywhere else. Would you like to start? Yeah. Um. So I don't remember which chapter this is. Baz points out that Penny's wardrobe is basically very similar to her, like her Watford uniform. Mm-hmm. And it's like, Baz, listen, not all of us leave high school with an incredibly 
you know, set fashion sense and also family money. Like, I don't think he's making fun of it, but he's like a little bit making fun of it, I think. Do you? Th- I don't think she's still wearing her uniform, though. I think she just... No, but he's kind of like, it's similar to her wardrobe where she's wearing like a plaid skirt and just a variety of oversized t-shirts and like knee socks. She sounds... I, I think at some point it's revealed that her Mary Janes are Doc Martens. I think that Baz is like not appreciating that Penelope is like pretty punk. <laughs> and he doesn't... I don't think he even knows that that's even like an option. I think her clothes are actually probably a lot cooler than Baz recognizes. Okay. I guess that makes sense. Fiona's probably more goth than punk. Well, I don't know. She's like leather and skinny jeans punk, whereas Penny is like plaid baggy t-shirts and Doc Martin Mary Jane's punk, which is a very specific kind, but like yeah. still still punk. Yeah. Does that feel true to you? Yeah. No, that, that totally makes sense. Because yeah, I was kind of just like... Okay, bro, that's that's fine. Like nothing <laughs> sounds wrong with this with her outfits. Like, no, totally not. So Oh, okay. So my first thing is that we get a little bit of foreshadowing for the next book with this offhand comment from Baz that Daphne hardly uses magic for anything. I noticed that actually this time. Which makes sense because I think that this and the next book were initially supposed to be one book and then rainbow rowell hit a deadline and was like fuck it it's two books now." <laughs> i feel like i don't know i feel like i feel that makes sense just because as much as i would love to read 600 pages of this book two books combined i feel okay with them being split up and i think if you're just like if you start them and then you just read them like in not like one sitting but read them sequentially without having a like however many year gap between <laughs> wayward sun in any way the wind blows it probably like it probably feels a little bit less disjointed i guess yes that's what i was about to say is like if they're both out if they're both available when you read them then i also don't mind but like this book has a very unsatisfying ending that doesn't feel like an ending it feels like an intermission and so having this as its own standalone book with nothing that follows it is very like you forgot the end of the book like and then what happens you know I mean I don't know I guess I guess I also kind of feel like I can't think of a trilogy where the second book is like super strong compared to the first or the the third book Hmm. and maybe it's kind of the nature of having a trilogy perhaps I don't know anyway yes what do you have next uh just for a hot second, Simon is a gay he can't drive meme, but no longer. <laughs> it's true. He's a very fast learner. Which, like, where does that meme come from? That must be like a coastal gay kind of thing. Maybe. Maybe, yeah. I don't feel like there's any sort of uh, sexual orientation bias in terms of my friends that I've been in cars with in terms of, like, how good they are at driving at all so yeah i don't get it either i mean i did learn to drive when i was like 28 or 29 or something uh yeah i didn't learn to drive until (laughs) but now that you can drive you're a good driver so you're still not the meme oh i I guess i was just thinking gays that like literally don't know how to drive not gays that like are bad drivers okay interesting wait is the meme gays being bad drivers or gays who just don't know how to drive i always assume it was like just don't at all know how to drive (laughs) maybe it's both but gays being bad drivers is definitely definitely a meme i feel that makes less sense than gays just not knowing how to drive i don't i don't fucking know about any of it i think it's weird it's like the cold coffee thing i'm like this just came out of like someone's imagination and then became a phenomenon (laughs) It's definitely life imitating art rather than art imitating life. The podcast Nancy literally did a massive survey of queer people about what kind of coffee they drink. And the vast majority of people surveyed drank hot coffee. And yet it's still this like thing that like hot coffee is homophobic. <laughs> it's like queers only drink cold coffee. I'm like, this is surely seasonal yes no one wants to yeah. drink cold coffee when it's cold outside yeah i mean nicole loves iced coffee like only drinks iced coffee in the summertime but i think even her love of iced coffee means that she's not drinking iced coffee when it's like for instance right now 
January and like 17 degrees outside. It's like, no. Exactly. That makes as much sense as eating like gazpacho in January. It's like, no, that is a summer food. <laughs> this, yeah. It's just practical. Where are we? I think it's your turn because I started on uh, Gays Who Can't Drive and then we're like, where did this? Yeah. All right. So that's actually also my next point, but it's about how good Baz is at teaching Simon how to drive. So good. Like he's what just a great teacher. Yeah. No. Uh yeah, he's great. He's so gentle. He's not even he doesn't panic at all when Simon's like about to crash. He's just he's like, just steer away from it. Like you're fine. Yeah, and uh I think this is especially great because as I mentioned earlier, I learned to drive at a very late age. But previous to that I had at least half a dozen people attempt to teach me how to drive and they were all very bad teachers because they all panic because i'm like i don't know what i'm doing this is Mm -hmm. your job to help me and so finally nicole's patient enough to be like we're gonna do this yeah that's that's great um i just want to point out that penny is like very uh she kind of admires this sort of like bland HGTV aesthetic of Micah's house. And I'm like, you are clearly someone who mentally feels better being in a clutter-free home. Mm-hmm. Uh, and part of that is maybe growing up in a really cluttered home. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I'm just like, yeah, I hope that is going to be your future one day, Penny. <laughs> yeah, Maybe not sure. as bland as this, uh, but... <laughs> yeah, I, I noted down... I mean, I think that Micah's house sounds terrible like i mean we'll we'll get we'll get more into that i think but yeah okay never mind i'll i'll come back to my thoughts on that then uh okay so here's the thing this book is even though it's written by an american author is very careful to to be british right because these characters are british it down to the fact that curb is spelled britishly i think is curb like a curb on a sidewalk spelled with a k here no okay great so you know, it's very, it's very aware. It's very careful to be like, this is a British book. But then Penny says that her furniture in her house was purchased by her dad at yard sales. And I was like, I bet that's not a thing in the UK. And I looked it up and it's totally not a thing in the UK. They have what's called car boot sales, but that's like everyone takes their shit to like a field or like a school playground or something, you know, and like basically does like a a fair where everyone is selling their things and people come because they like know they'll have a bunch of options but i even found a forum of someone like an uh, an american living in london or something being like i want to do this because we're about to move but like will anyone come and everyone from the uk was like no (laughs) (laughs) why would people go to that that's weird (laughs) so um yeah i thought that was an interesting i want to say anachronism but whatever the the term for anachronism where it's place-based instead of time-based. Yeah, um, that's really cool because I I didn't clock that actually at all. I'm like, yeah, yard sale. <laughs> right? I mean, there's such a thing here. Yeah, yeah. It could have easily been whatever the, like, thrift stores are called in the UK. hmm I just want to point out that Simon points out that um, Baz is calling him Snow again and not Simon. I mean, we did end the last book with Simon saying that he only, Baz only calls him Simon when they're being soft with each other, right? Yeah. I think he wants it to be a soft moment, which I guess we could talk about under the... Oh, that's true. I mean, just because that's when Baz does it doesn't mean that Simon doesn't want him to call him Simon all the time, so... That's true. Uh, I just want us all to collectively acknowledge that Penny is correct, that Micah should not be growing a goatee. <laughs> Yeah. No. I yeah. It just sounds patchy. It I don't think goatees are almost ever a good idea. I guess I can't really think of any besides on evil villains. <laughs> True. But then it's always like like shaped and like pointed and that's a, a whole separate I feel like a sculpted beard is sort of separate regardless of what part of your face it's on. I'm just thinking about Lin-Manuel Miranda and like every time I see him, I'm like, why has no one told you that that's a bad idea? (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. Yeah. The fact that I can't think of anyone who has a good goatee is probably indication that like it rarely happens. 
and yeah. in general should just not be done yeah it just reminds you of like i think all of the like late 90s alt rock dudes that had like goatees and you're just like Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. the dude from creed had a terrible goatee didn't he yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, don't be like the dude from creed <laughs> just in any way or maybe it's Maybe it's Nickelback. Which one of them am I thinking of? Nickelback. I don't know. I think both. I feel like didn't did Fred Durst have a goatee? He just had like a little round chin facial hair that wasn't. I don't think it was connected. It was just like a little round. Terrible. <laughs> also not a good idea. Mm. Oh, people make the funniest choices. Uh, okay. And this he's clean shaven. So I think it must be Nickelback that I'm thinking of. Yeah, definitely. Oh no. Please send me please please send me this photo so I can also be disturbed and disgusted. Okie dokie. I'm on it. Listeners, we'll put a link in the show notes so so you can also have your eyes. Oh my god, (laughs) wow. I feel like I knew so many dudes in high school trying to grow a goatee like that too. And I'm just like yeah, they were very, very in. Oh my god, wait, this one's even better. The amount of stress that we had starting this episode, I feel like, is dramatically contributing to how off-topic we are in this episode. <laughs> we're just like, whatever. <laughs> just, just whatever. <laughs> All right. This this is fine. I'm committed to being more unhinged this year, so. I saw that in, in your muggle studies which I really loved. I really loved this month's Muggle Studies. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I talked about more personal stuff than I normally do this month. I like it. I don't think I told you that I started a Patreon thing where I just like write about what's happening in my life. Actually, I did I did end up reading one of them and that's kind of what maybe I should put more personal stuff in the Muggle Studies. People want the people want it. <laughs> did you get the reference of the title? No, oh, I did not. Okay, so it's a super deep cut Buffy reference. (laughs) Super deep cut. Listeners, we're talking about Patreon offerings that we have. Muggle Studies is a link roundup that Jesse does. Um, And I just started a, like, newsletter about my life called The Lark Spake, which is a reference to one of Spike's pre-Spike poems, where he says, Hark! The lark, a name it hath spake, Cecily it discharges from twixt its wee beak. Oh my god, wow, that is a deep cut, but I love it so much. Oh my god. (laughs) (laughs) I I mean, I also love it, but like, I love that poem so much. No one has ever put the word discharges in the poem. (laughs) Oh god, it's so terrible. Anyway, where are we? Um, we're easy come, easy go. We're talking about goatees, and now it's your turn. Uh, I actually don't have anything else in this section. Okay, my last thing is the utter narrative perfection that is Penny leaving this this situation with Micah and Baz and Simon being gone. <laughs> yep it's it's like so good and just like yeah this is exactly how the situation is gonna end with you like sitting on the corner of like his lawn (laughs) feeling Mm -hmm. like the worst yep so self-conscious about the fact that he's like looking out the window and seeing you (sighs) yeah it's terrible Welcome to I See a Little Silhouetto of a Man, where we talk about character development. Um, Okay, so I only have Penny here this episode, uh, and mostly about sort of the way that she thinks about things, I guess. So the quotes that I have written down are when she says to Micah, not meaning to say it, but then she just says, like, Agatha's in trouble or whatever. And she's like, I didn't mean to say that. And then she's like, it wasn't a lie. She really might be in trouble. Historically, she has been. <laughs> right? Which is incredible. 
Um, and then we see her, she's like, I pretend decided to pretend that Micah wasn't angry so he could stop being angry without it being a thing. And when she says there's a difference between making something up and exaggerating. I think these things tell us a lot about Penny, how she engages with the world, how she thinks about things, the ways that she tries to control where, how conversations play out. I think we saw a lot of this in the last, earlier in this book, where she's trying to like make everything be okay by being okay. This feels like the same kind of thing to me. Yeah. And I guess I also wonder, because it's kind of like, I think these are actually really good skills in this sort of epic, heroic crises that she often has found herself in, but Mm -hmm. maybe not so much for the sort of health and dynamics of a, like, interpersonal Mm -hmm. romantic relationship. Yeah, I I mean, sense. I think that, like, that is a thing many of us struggle with, and only through years of therapy can we unlearn to, like what works good in a crisis of survival does not work good <laughs> in a personal relationship. That's very true. Uh, so, yeah. And, I, and I'm and i not saying that because I think it's like a necessarily like a trauma response, but I think, I think she's kind of a little bit like approaching it like it was like an epic battle like she'd done with Simon for like so many years. And it's this, the same skills don't really apply. Mm-hmm. You know, because it's not the it's not the end result that you're going for in a romantic relationship. It's the like, you know, Mike is even like it's this. It's not about the end. It's the this being together every step of the way, and that's mm-hmm. kind of like that can be a difficult shift if it's like you've gone from like keeping myself and Simon alive and saving the world of mages to being like, oh, this I can't just do the same thing in my relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it makes sense. It feels really relatable to me from like growing up with a really volatile sibling that like I sort of took on the task of being like, I will neutralize situations that you are responding to inappropriately. And I think that for Penny, it's more about probably sort of a similar reaction, but to like Simon's very real and reasonable responses to the shit that they were going through and trying to be like well what I can do you know I can't go off I can't use a sword but what I can do is like make Simon be okay by like being okay by neutralizing his fear or his anger or his desperation yeah and I think yeah I think she just goes to that place you know i decided to pretend micah wasn't angry so he could stop being angry is very like you know if simon's about to have a breakdown she's like i'm not gonna acknowledge this because what i am gonna do is like make there make make there not be a need for there to be a breakdown because we're just gonna make it through this it's gonna be okay yeah which i guess this is gonna kind of face the truthy anyway but yeah i also it also seems like I'm trying to figure like I'm trying to figure out how I want to say this. I feel like the other thing is that Penny sort of has in mind is her, is are her own parents seemingly effortless meet cute, mm. where she's like, oh well, my mom knows she wanted to marry my dad when they were thirteen, so right. I mean that that like that's like you know fucking romance novel rom com stuff like that doesn't happen often in real life and even still there's still work that needs to be done which we end up kind of i mean we end up getting in any way the wind blows when like her dad is caught up in this fucking cult because he feels a little bit inadequate about his magic you know right and i mean even like rom-com storybook romances you still it still takes work and people change because that's what people do and you still have to put in this work of maintaining slash being in a relationship yeah totally and I think it's like understandable mistake, not not mistake, an understandable thought process for Penny to have, which if you want to just slide into face the truth, we can get into it. <laughs> sure, yeah, let's do it. Welcome to Face the Truth, where we talk about things that are fucked up. 
And I think that I wonder if part of it is a like object permanence thing that sometimes uh, neuroatypical people have where it's like, mm. just because I haven't taught you in like eight months doesn't mean we're like, we can't just pick it back up right away and be like, yeah, we're still, we're still great, which I know from experience works really well for my friends who are <laughs> friends I have who are ADHD and not right. so well for people I know who have other neurodiversities or don't <laughs> where it's kind of like, it's like out of the blue and it's like, no, but we're still friends, even though I haven't talked to you in eight months, you know, and that's not how everyone responds and uh, not how Micah responds to being in a relationship. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, the problem is that he hasn't communicated that to Penny. Not at all. And it's very frustrating because like I've been dropping hints for months and I'm like, hints are not saying I want to break up. You could have just said, I want to break up to Penny. And she would have understood those words, even if she might have been upset about it. She might have fought you about it. But at least you could have been on the same page as opposed to being like, we haven't talked in months. And it's like, but we're busy. We're like in college, I assume. Like, that's a really fucking bit like, yeah. Like yeah. the problem with the problem with like, quote unquote, dropping hints is that it's a lot of ways to misconstrue what is happening. And just being direct is a, a really great way of not being misconstrued. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and we see the way that she heard those hints in their conversation where he's like, I said I was having a hard time with this. And she was like, and I said I was too. Like, we talked about that. And it, I mean, I think that Micah needed to start communicating clearly well before he was ready to break up. Like, you can't just be like, you know, this long distance relationship is hard for me. If what you mean is like, I don't know if I can continue doing this or like, we're not talking enough or I need these things to change. Like you have to say those things. Yeah. And maybe with neurotypical people, you don't have to say those things, but he's known Penelope since they were 14 years old. And at this point he should know her communication style and like the way that she thinks about and processes things. And I I mean, like the note that I took is like, Penny may be a, bad partner i think it's fair to say that penny is a bad partner but it's completely inappropriate for him to blame her for his inability to be clear about his needs yeah and honestly in my mind that makes him not good enough for her like he never deserved her if he's not willing to put in yeah i feel like my first note is use your words like yeah just just say i know it'll be hard but this like right like this sort of like fake ghosting her is not that's not a breakup. You have to be like, I would like you to talk more to me or for us to spend more time together or for us to, I don't know, FaceTime or whatever the fuck or cyber, like whatever. Like you can't just be like increasingly silent for months and assume that she's going to assume that that means that like, oh, she's going to get that we're broken up. No, no, that's not. Yeah, totally not. Yeah, it is. It is very, it is very frustrating. And it's like, you're justified to feel unhappy, but like, you're not justified to not communicate. (laughs) Right. You don't get to be like, we broke up because I said that we were broken up every way except saying I'm breaking up with you. It's like, if you haven't said that, you didn't say that. And that's not on her. Yeah. Honestly, Erin should take this conversation that she's witnessing as a giant red flag and leave with Penny. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean... Yeah, turns out it's a it's a red flag when uh, people either talk shitty or are shitty about their exes, unless it is if it's like oh they were they were crazy they were clingy they just didn't get it. It's like those are red flags. Do you think that he has done that? She seemed genuinely excited to meet Penny. I guess I just mean me. I guess I just mean in general. Sorry, I guess it's kind of like I just feel like the way that people talk or don't talk about their exes can often be like it's a it's a a thing that you should take into consideration oh yeah totally so yeah and then it actually is very curious what i wonder what aaron what micah has told aaron Mm -hmm. because she's like oh hi and penny's like what the fuck is happening yeah and also the fact that he couldn't even like okay it's it's fucked up enough that he can't be like we're breaking up but he has another girlfriend he could have been like i've met someone else I'm sorry this is over, you know? Yeah. 
Yeah, if you're trying to, like, make sure that she's getting this through hints, I feel like being like, oh, I've been dating this girl is a really good hint. <laughs> like, that's one that Penny probably wouldn't have missed and would have led to, wait, what the fuck? And then he could have been like, no, we broke up. Uh, yeah. Would have cleared that up if he'd been honest about it. Yeah, I just think... Not that I'm uh, endorsing that as a way to break up no. with someone. Do not do that. I guess I would just be like, literally, what is happening if I was, like, dating someone and they're, like, and they're, like, ex showed up and is like, you didn't actually break up with me. And I'm like, you didn't actually break up with them? What do you do? Like, what? <laughs> yeah, no, that's exactly what I meant about why Aaron should take this as a red flag. Because, like, if I'm standing there hearing my partner being like, I didn't say I'm breaking up with you, but I implied it heavily. I'd be like, whoa, okay, that's not good. Like, that's not the kind of communication I'm looking for in a relationship. I definitely have to go. On top of that, it's like, are you telling me that this person flew across the fucking ocean and you couldn't, you couldn't say that we're not in a relationship anymore? Like, I'd be like, oh, hell no. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. Me too. Yeah. I mean, I do also just feel bad for Penny for assuming that I'll like, we're still good whenever we talk and like, you know, look at my parents' solid relationship that ended in a marriage, you know, ideal isn't super realistic for everyone. I mean, she's also going from a, a society where mages marry their high school sweethearts too. So there's a huge cultural disconnect between them as yeah. well. This is true. Um, can we use that as a transition to her statement that they have no standards about things in America because mages marry normals? And apparently that's terrible. And worse, I think, the fact that she says, quote unquote, most people believe that kids from mage normal marriages are not as powerful. And I was just like, who? Who is most people, Penelope? What is the evidence for this? Like, I don't think so. It actually does shine a light on, because I feel like in the last book, we like we were under the assumption that there were like, I thought unrealistically, like no children born of like a mage and a normal. And that's why it was weird when Simon came out of a like normal orphanage. Mm -hmm. When it's like, have y'all been, have mages just been killing these kids from people if like they somehow got a like normal pregnant because uh i would assume if a mage in the uk got into a relationship with a normal and had kids they would just quietly leave the world of mages is my mm. guess as opposed to anything like that they'd just be like well this isn't going to be accepted by my entire society so like let's just go live in the normal world like everyone already does yeah, yeah, because it's clearly genetic. It's clearly a dominant gene, right? Especially if mages, uh, right? Especially if, like, in the U.S., if mages and normals are having kids, and their kids are magical. It's like, I mean, it does sort of collapse the whole idea of like the world of mar of the mages marrying all their high school sweethearts to like keep magic in the family, as it were. And it's just like, guys, this gene pool sounds real shallow. Yeah, totally. Do you have anything else here? Oh, I have a couple more things here. Speaking of funny ideas from the UK world of mages, um, Penny feels a little bit uh, baffled by Micah just being like, my family uses magic, but it's not, it's just like a part of our identity and not our identity, capital I, like first thing. Mm -hmm. And I feel a couple of things about that. I feel like... I feel like maybe the world of mages has sort of brought into this, like, the UK mages brought to this sort of, like, colorblind ideal. Maybe, I mean, like, not, and, like, not even necessarily, like, pretty recently, I think. Because, you know, for for a long time, only people born of mages who could get, who could get through the trials or whatever the fuck go to, go to Watford. And now it's, mm -hmm. like, anyone who has magic can go to Watford. But it's still this sort of, like, but it's fine because we're all just mages and that's like the thing that's going to bring us together without it kind of like playing into the sort of real world implications of other identities that you hold, mm -hmm. you know? And I feel like uh, there's a, in IRL, a lot of 
a lot of Europe wants to pretend that like, oh, we don't have the same like race issues that the U.S. does. And it's like, mm. oh, but you're lying because this is where a lot of this colonial bullshit comes from. Mm -hmm. Looking at you, UK, Spain, France, Germany, all your other countries that colonize the shit out of the world. And, and I think because of this, so like Penny holds this kind of strong idea. It's like, oh, but we're mages first. And it's kind of like, it really just, kind of means that she just doesn't really have the kind of context of the way that say racial identity and like other identities would play into as an American mage, I guess. Mm -hmm. Like it makes sense to me that Mike is like, it's one of my many identities, <laughs> you know? Right. As opposed to being like the identity. And especially if there isn't like a centralized, especially if there isn't a centralized school system to sort of indoctrinate your kids when they're young to have this ideal, then yeah, he'd be like, I think there are a lot of other things <laughs> taking into consideration first before being a magical person, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I just think Payne doesn't have necessarily the context, and I think it makes sense to me that Mike is like, I'm not just a mage. Yeah, definitely. And I, I think it would be impossible to have that here, too, just because there it is so spread out, and, you know, the community... I mean, Penny says people can go their entire lives not meeting another magician that they aren't related to. And it's like, how can like the, the context in which Penny is like, so married to what being a mage means is very context dependent. And Micah doesn't have that. Yeah. And I mean, and also just as I think we've talked about before when we've shitted on that scoundrel JKR, like, there already exists so many magical traditions and, and the many cultures here in America that like, you know, I just feel like you could very easily, you know, sort of even like wrap it into a like racial or cultural identity. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm sure there are mages in, say, New Orleans who like know a bunch of other mages and like learn probably a lot of similar magic based on the like hoodoo tradition. And like, you know, the indigenous magic tradition in a lot of places that it's like, Penny, you, like, I feel like you just don't, you just don't even know, honey, about mm -hmm. all of the things that you could learn. Not going to one, not going to the like magical Oxford of the UK. Yeah, that's super true. I just have one more thing, which is to, I'm always here to shit on urban sprawl. So Simon is like, is it greedy? I think it's greedy for them to have all this space. And I'm like, yep. <laughs> <laughs> Especially when it's just lawn. The mm -hmm. worst thing you could be growing ever. Yep. I'm, yeah, I agree. <laughs> Caught in a landslide. Welcome to Caught in a Landslide, where we rant about stuff. Like Micah's house. Oh my god, Micah's house. His parents his parents haven't done anything with that house because they want to sell it probably whenever Micah moves out. Uh, and they got that idea also from HDTV, which is like, you really got to have your house be beige if you want to like sell it at a later date. Maybe. I So I had asked you earlier if you remembered if he had siblings because this is a hell of a lot of house if michael's an only child so i i did go back through carry on and uh there's a reference to micah's big family so i assume that there are at least several children to to fill the amount of space that they have which makes me feel a little bit better not really but a little so I, don't, I mean, unless Micah is the youngest, I don't know that they're just waiting on him to move out. I think they genuinely think that they like this aesthetic. I mean, I think a lot of people think that they like that aesthetic because it's like this is what everyone else has. Don't you want to be surrounded with things that you like? I don't get it. I mean, I think you're asking the wrong person who only wants to be surrounded with things that I like, which yeah. are all mainly thrifted. And I like mm -hmm. don't really care about new things. And a lot of people care about having new things slash are weeded out by things that are used. And I'm like, yeah, I can't. I just don't. I don't feel that way at all. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think for our European yes, listeners or, or people who don't, have not been to the U.S., 
yes, subdivisions do in fact all look alike. And if you're driving around in them, they're often very, the streets are often very circular because you're not supposed to walk in them or through them mm -hmm. um, because you're supposed to be driving. And if you don't belong there, if you don't live there, you don't belong there mm -hmm. because America is a trash fire and the history of the suburbs is the history of racism and segregation in America. Yeah. Uh, in a very, I can't even say fun little microcosm, but maybe one of the microcosms of this fucking country. Yeah. Yeah. Also, the dog matches the decor. Oh, my God. It just sounds so terrible. It is very, like, trying really hard to have, like, what they interpret as a middle class, like, American dream. Yeah. And, like, I don't know. This is why people now, it's like... I read an article a little bit ago about how no one wants to buy McMansions that were built in the 90s and early 2000s. Because they're terribly built or? Well, they're terribly built. They're also ugly. They're also just like the space inside of them doesn't make any sense. And people our age who can LOL maybe afford to buy a house aren't going to want to live in a McMansion. And like mm. an hour away from a city and there's no trees because it's just was thrown up and is like probably is going to mold anyway if it hasn't already, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know? And it's like, I feel like someone really could have told you that when you were building it, that people don't want to live in McMansions, but somehow all these people were convinced that like this is what was going to be the thing they could sell and make big money on. And it's like, no, <laughs> maybe if you hadn't tank the economy, but right. even then I'm like, why would I want to like McMansion new build house if I could just buy a cute farmhouse somewhere that's been standing right. there for a hundred years? Yeah. Oh, I just realized my house is going to celebrate its hundred year anniversary in like two years. We should throw. Well, it a that's party. so cool. <laughs> you should get get some banners. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I I completely completely agree. Oh, so I did want to say though. Like Penny's response to this house as someone who grew up in this very chaotic, very small, very full of people house kind of makes sense to me. I feel like like Evan and I both grew up in incredibly messy, like parents that never cleaned anything houses. And we both are like get very, very stressed if our house is messy. I feel like that kind of like reaction makes sense. And like... I don't want to feel like we're shitting on Penny for this thing that she finds comforting. She can have that, uh, even though to you and I, it's like, absolutely not. Yeah, uh, I grew up with hoarders. So but I don't know, I feel like I just have a lot of clutter because of executive functioning. <laughs> but I mean, I think me and Nicole are meeting in the middle where I'm becoming more clean. And she's becoming more tolerant of it, not of clutter. <laughs> Mm -hmm. And it's an always a, a adjusting barometer of where we're falling. Mm -hmm. So anyway, uh, <laughs> I have one last thing. Great. What is it? Just, okay. I just, the whole pit with Penny and Baz being like, this country is how big now? <laughs> <laughs> is so funny to me because yes america is ridiculously big it really should not be one country at all like no it does not make any sense i feel like i was reading a i remember were you telling me about like someone in the uk being like oh, i don't visit my dad as much he lives like a 45 minute drive which is like here in america we're like that's literally nothing <laughs> yeah it's like that's most people's commute to work yeah most people commute 45 minutes in their car like one way mm -hmm. <laughs> And I just, yeah, I mean, yeah, like it, it was, it's a 12 hour drive for me to go to New York <laughs> and like it probably equally long. I should probably longer to go to like Florida or something and to get to you would take me. Uh, to get here. That's yeah. That's like, depending on how many hours you're willing to drive a day, three to five days from Michigan to Oregon. Yeah. And yeah, it's it's just funny because I think that this is a reaction more people should have about how ridiculously large I agree. this country is. Yeah. Also, they're planning on driving 31 hours in three days, which sounds so terrible. Don't drive 10 hours a day. No. I've definitely taken cars like that when I was like 
you know, in college and younger. One day of driving 10 hours, three consecutive days of driving 10 hours. No, that's that's a lot. That's like blood clot territory. Yeah. Oh, I also saw sort of tangentially related a chart about how much land in like Nevada and Idaho and Montana is just owned by the federal government. And it's really like, give that land to fucking indigenous people. What the fuck? Mm -hmm. What like what the actual fuck? Like... Give it to indigenous folks. Yep. I feel like there's a lot and a lot of like preschool and kindergarten teachers could teach to the federal government about like, you can't just take things that don't belong to you. You can't have that. It's not yours. Yeah. And it's like only a matter of time before someone just starts selling it off to fucking billionaires. And it's just like, no, it's not, it's not yours. Yep. Uh, you're not even doing anything with it. Just, Give it back to the multiple indigenous tribes that are frankly owed owed this land. Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Amongst other other reparations. Welcome to I'm Just a Poor Boy, where we talk about ways you can support this podcast. Today, I want to talk about a free way that you can support us, which is to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts because it helps people find the show, helps them decide to listen to it, and it gives us a morale boost so that we're energized to keep making it. So lots of wins. It's like, it's sort of like if you're uh, talking to us when you're listening to this podcast, you, we could hear directly what you're saying if you write us a review. Maybe don't write your like theories about the things that we're saying in your review just like (laughs) oh my god i love you guys so much you're so funny part yeah thank you for getting me through cleaning my kitchen every week (laughs) exactly yes (laughs) um yeah and so to that end i did want to just say thank you to faye l for leaving us a review it was lovely and we appreciate it yay thanks Welcome to Send Shivers Down My Spine, where we talk about sexy stuff. What you got? Uh, I have one thing, which is just Daz putting his hand over Simon's when they're like working with the stick shift. Mm-hmm. Especially since they've been kind of distant, we've ne- we've as we've as we've already established, and it's like neither of them feel like awkward about it. And I'm like, oh my boys. Yeah, I wrote learning to drive as foreplay, and I just wanted to uh, <laughs> dramatically read this. For yes, everyone. Snow and I are alone. He reaches out and touches the gear stick. It's still warm. I nod. Does it feel different, he asks, than your car at home? Hulkier, I say, harder to control. Do you want to try it? Snow's still holding onto the gear stick. I can't even drive an automatic. I... I shrug. I could teach you. Here? Why not here? No one will notice. There's no traffic. The end. Yeah, that is, wow, that is real suggestive. That is more suggestive than I realized when I was just reading it in my brain. Um, And uh, nothing is more American culture like uh, cars and sex. Yeah. Sex appeal of cars. Yep. Is this just fantasy? Welcome to Is This Just Fantasy, where we talk about magic and science and magical science. Um, unicorns can talk and taste like lavender. <laughs> yep. That's also my only thing here. Which? <laughs> they can only make small talk. What a gift. <laughs> this smidge bit of information. I don't think we get much more about unicorns in this series, but this, just that we get this. And he's like, they can only make small talk. They're not dolphins. <laughs> it's just like, what? Ugh. <laughs> uh. So what I'm hearing is Baz would not eat a dolphin. No, but we also know he doesn't like marine life, taste-wise. So that might actually be the reason. <laughs> he doesn't have a lot of 
qualms when it comes to eating non-humans, it seems like. I mean, if it tastes like lavender, that would be kind of overpowered now. I mean, lavender is a good flavor to eat, but I guess it depends on how powerfully lavender it is. Yeah, I have to imagine that drinking the blood of a unicorn, if it tastes pleasant, tastes like very pleasant, you know? Yeah, I would hope so. It's probably like a lavender champagne cocktail. That's my guess. <laughs> yeah, probably. And <laughs> not cursed if you drink some uh this uh lavender unicorn. <laughs> mm-hmm. yep. I'm now imagining that it also is just lavender colored. I don't know why. <laughs> oh yeah, I absolutely assumed that it was lavender colored. All right, great. All right, everyone. Thank you for listening to this episode of Escape from Reality. I still can't do it. I don't know why. Yeah, Escape escape from Reality, uh, carry on my gayward son. So. Yes, next time we're going to be reading chapters 14 and 15. Reminder to check out the show notes for links to info on my tarot deck. And uh, also you can find all sorts of other things there, like our other podcast, The Gaily Prophet, that's about Harry Potter. And both of those podcasts are produced, mixed, and edited by me. Uh, You should uh, check us out on the internet. Our Instagram and Twitter is at The Gaily Prophet, and our website is at hashtag ruthless.com, where you can also find links to our Patreon if you would like to know more about the Patreon content that we talked about in this episode. <laughs> yeah, this week the episode is going to be at least 10 minutes longer on Patreon than it is in your feed. <laughs> we were not on track at all. Yep, yep. Yeah, if you want to find me on the internet, which hopefully you do, uh, I am on Instagram at Lark Malachi, and that's also my website, LarkMalachi.com, which is spelled L-A-R-K-M-A-L-A-K-A-I. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Jesse underscore Detroit or on Instagram at Live from Detroit for some mental health memes and me ranting about possibly anything. <laughs> anything and everything. Yep. Uh, the music in our theme song is by Kevin McLeod, and the rest of the music is Bohemian Rhapsody by Queen. And until next time, Scottamoosh! Oh, he did it. He did it.